when you're deep down in the holes, like just think happy thoughts and you're going to be fine. That's total bullshit. If that would have worked, I would have done it a long time ago. It's just not that simple. When you're deep down in the gutters, there is no happy thoughts. They don't exist. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives. We almost never talk about it. We certainly don't talk about it enough. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. Now, as you know, from last week, we have launched our membership program. We're still working out a few kinks like our logo, but nonetheless, it's out there and we would love your support. You can check the show notes for all kinds of information like our programs and how to volunteer, our group on the Signal platform, ways to sponsor. I know this is a whole lot of stuff, but mostly right now, if you'd like to support us and there are some perks involved, head over to Supercast. The link is also in the show notes. Learn more a little about it. See if it's a good fit for you. We'd love you to help out. Now, either way, we appreciate you participating, supporting, listening to the podcast. So thank you. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. And do keep in mind, we are talking about suicide as the name suggests. We know it's not a great fit for everybody, but take this into account before you listen or as you listen. But I do hope you listen because there is a whole lot to learn. Today, I am talking with Felix. Felix lives up in Quebec or Quebec, and he is a suicide attempt survivor. What's happening, Felix? Going good. Doing good, you? I am doing okay. I'm hanging in. Are you in uh, Quebec? Uh, yeah. What am I seeing behind you? It's my fly tying materials. I make fishing flies, and this is where I keep my uh, my stuff. So you make fishing flies? Yep. That's your job? No, that's my hobby. Oh. Do you fish? Not so much. <laughs> Wait, so you, as a hobby, make fishing flies not for yourself? No, I tend to sell them and give it away to friends. And it's more like a something to clear my mind. So Wow, very nice. So when I ask you, if I ask you, how do you cope with your problems or challenges? We already know one right there. That's one. That, that, that's one of them. So let me ask you this question. How'd you find the podcast? I was feeling kind of down and I've always had suicidal thoughts. And I was kind of tired of listening to music. So I said, I want to listen to a podcast, but I didn't really find a podcast that I was interested in and then the thought kind of popped in my head like there's probably a podcast about suicide how people tell their stories and how they got through it i started listening and that's what i listen to these days oh, wow okay cool i want you to know and everyone who's listening it sounds like a little bit of a weird question almost why does it matter how someone found the podcast, but it does because we're talking about something that we don't often talk about. And so when and how you decide to look for something like this, I think is part of sort of larger narrative. Anyway, 
I'm glad you're just willing to do it. There's a whole lot of people that would never even think to come on. So um, why do you want to talk about this with me? And then ultimately, a good number of people around the world will hear it. Because I know that suicide is a big thing in the world. It's a big issue. Like it affects millions of people. People don't talk about it. Even they kind of try to like push us aside and just pretend it's not there. It is and it is an issue that people, we need to talk about it and get it out there to to let people know what it's like really living with these thoughts and feelings and what's like their day life and how it affects them. Not only like the victims of suicide, the loss and, the, and also the survivors themselves, a different like side of the conversation that not you don't typically hear. Well, I'm glad that you've made that choice and that you're comfortable enough to share some of what you've gone through. How many suicide attempts, however you define that, do you have? I can easily say it's at least a dozen. Okay. The first one's the first one. That's a big one for most people, right? It's the first yeah. time you're going to make such a big choice. The first one, I don't have the exact year because I'm not really good with dates, but I was around maybe 19 or 20. At that point, I've been struggling with depression and anxiety and stress and for a number of years, and I never really talked about it. I just kind of kept it to myself. I'm a very private person and conversations that don't come easily for me. So it's like I kept it in myself and I just assumed that it was just how people felt, how it was normal. So leading up to that, and I, I've been through like a rough time in school. I stood out from the crowd. I wasn't, I didn't fit in with people my age, either at school or in the neighborhood. So it's like I spent a lot of time alone. My way of like saying that it was going to get better was as soon as I get out of high school, get my driver's license and I'll be fine. My life's going to start. I'll be independent. I can go wherever I want and get on with it. My dad has a commercial cleaning company, and I started working with him when I was eight years old after school a couple times a week. I'd work for a couple hours, and that's kind of how I was brought up. I was helping my dad. And at first, I didn't like it, but then got into a routine, and I enjoyed it and kept me like busy with something that was going to help me in the long run. I fell in love with work also. Like well, By the end of high school, I was working on average 30 hours a week. And that was kind of just my normal. Both of my parents are super hardworking and they, they do what they have to do to provide for their family. And that's how the, that work mentality was installing to me. So when I got out of high school, got my driver's license like two weeks, two, three weeks after that. And then my dad said at that point, so, okay, now you got your driver's license, like you're in charge of this side of the business. For I'm specialized in floor stripping and waxing. I was in charge of that, the, the chemicals and scheduling them with the clients and repairing and making our equipment. So I was thrilled. As soon as I said that, like uh, I said, okay, I'm, I'm ready for it. And I didn't start off right after high school with the, the workload that I end up doing for a number of years, kind of less slowly built up. But I was the kind of person that I couldn't say no. I didn't consider it. And I didn't think I could say no, especially to my dad, because I do feel that there was a little more pressure because it was a family business. So like work, did support my entire family. So I never backed down. And I was working seven days a week, on average, 80 to 100 hours. I was struggling. I was exhausted, but I, I wasn't sleeping well. And I was depressed and like I was hurting. And that what led up to the my first attempt is less, I just couldn't do it anymore. I was just done. And I've been having suicidal ideation for a while. I was thinking about it. But I wasn't going to act on it. The way that I found out more recently, like when I have these thoughts and I have them pretty frequently, 
I have like a, I, I call it a kill switch in my, in my brain. It's like the thoughts are there, but if the switch is off, it's like, it's not going to do anything every so often. Like the switch is on. It's like, no matter what I do, that that's, I get tunnel vision and that's all I'm trying to do is to, to take my own life. You don't see anything else. That's the only, that, that, that's the only thing at the end of the tunnel. That's all there is. And there, there was one time that that's in my first attempt. I was still living at my parents' house, so I didn't want to do it there. Got in my truck. Uh, went to like a wooded area with close by a river, like my go-to spot. Usually what I just want to like calm down. I took a bunch of pills to fall asleep, but I also, my plan was to intoxicate myself with the exhaust of my truck. I had a hose connected to the exhaust, put it into the window. And then I kind of like took pills just to fall asleep. And then my plan was just to just going to fall asleep and you never wake up again. Yeah, like maybe not so painful. That That's it. It's like you fall asleep just like in your other day and that's the end of and, it. And I know sometimes it's we're limited by words, but uh, you wanted to die. Yeah. What happened? You uh, at some point woke up? Yeah, I woke up in the hospital. Apparently the, the people were like uh, passing by and they saw like something was wrong because it's not normal to have a a hose connected to the exhaust and to the window. So they, they called the 911 and they, they pulled me out. And so I woke up in the hospital and I also woke up with a bandage on my wrist because I did slip my wrist, but I don't remember doing it. Oh, you went for the trifecta. Yeah. It, it's Is it safe to say that those people don't come by and make that call you're dead? Yep. Mm. Do you wish you were dead? At that time, yes. Okay. The only memories beyond that are waking up in a hospital how long do you stay in the hospital? I was in the ER for two or three days. Then they brought me to the mental health ward. When I woke up in the ER, I was confused because it took me a while to like figure out where I was, what I was doing there. Mm-hmm. When I woke up my, shortly after like my, my parents showed up, I was still in shock and I couldn't really talk about what was going on because I was still trying to figure things out. And one thing that the doctor said, because the doctor came in, shortly after with my parents. And he said, look, we're taking you off work for a little while. As much as work was grinding me down, that was like my safe place. I was not having it. I did not agree. I. It's interesting that they didn't give you any agency. Like you weren't part of the conversation. They just told you. Yeah. All my life growing up, like work was my safe place. It was a place that I could spend time alone with my dad and just, I felt safe because no, no one could get me there. They, yeah, they said we're, they're taking me off work. I was losing it. I was arguing with my dad and the doctors. Like, and they said that you tried to end your life. It's, you need to take a step back. And I did not agree. It's like, yeah, I did try, but it's like, I'm still here. I'm going to work like tomorrow. So that was kind of out of my hands. And eventually my dad like just walked away because I was still arguing with him because there were two jobs that I had scheduled for the weekend I really wanted to do. And he said, look, it's, it's not your problems. I'll take care of it. Then I told him like straight up, yeah, it is my problem because when you send whoever you send, they're going to mess it up and I'm going to have to step in and correct it. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Look, you're good at what you do and you know it. So they took me off work and then it's kind of a blur, like really what happened. After that first attempt, I spent three, four years, like really in a bad place that I was ideating a lot and I started self-harm and yeah, I would go in and out of the hospital frequently. And when you say you go in and out, was that usually you choosing to go in or someone telling you to go in? 
sometimes both, especially the, the beginnings, like I was forced, they wanted to keep me safe. And that kind of pissed me off a bit because the but, mental health ward is, it's something. But is that because you, you said something to a therapist or because you tried to end your life? I tried and I would tell my therapist also and yeah, mixture of all of those things. Because right, you said there were at least a dozen and we're not going to get into all of them. But I do have one question because it's how old are you right now? 26. All right. So this is happening. A lot of stuff is happening in six, seven years. So you're trying somewhat frequently. Like I'm imagining you're ideating a lot. Yep. This might sound like a little bit of a weird question, but each time you try, uh, is it the same method? Yeah, pretty much. Either pills, carbon monoxide or cutting. I'm not going to ask because I, you know, obviously this is a podcast, but I can actually see Felix right now. We're talking on Zoom. I'm not going to ask you, but if I did, would I be able to see scars somewhere, maybe on your wrists? Uh, yeah, my, one of my, my left arm is pretty, yeah. Do you try to cover that up every day in your life? Now, no, because I don't care anymore. At this point, at first I was hiding him and now I just don't care anymore. And people, some people notice him, some people don't, but most people don't mention Anybody it. ever say anything? Yeah, a couple. My typical response was it is like it's a long story and kind of keep it at that. That's the truth. All right. So however you want to go from post first attempt to most recent attempt. So my most recent attempt was a couple months ago, back in September. That one was different. What happened afterwards, like the support that I had after that one and the people reaching out was different because I, I did have support and people reach out before the other attempts. But there was this one was a little different, mainly because a couple of our clients that know me actually called and we do dollar stores here and they have over 1500 locations across the country. And in our area, there are 16 and we do a mall and we've been doing it for about eight years. We don't deal with the managers locally. It's directly with the head office and Montreal. We're in contact with them on a regular basis, just that we need to keep in contact and solve and talk about real things and that. And he actually called me after I got out of the hospital. And he's a busy guy, but he took time to like talk to me. And I never met him face to face. It's only on the phone when I was talking with my dad. And he was telling me, I was like, uh, he supports me. And if I need time off and whatever, it's like, they understand. And they They'd like work around a schedule and yeah, that's it. Like the support, especially from work that I got afterwards was different. What do you think changed there? I think it maybe I didn't really accept the, the help that was given to me for the previous attempts and the, the help and support. This time I was just, I don't know, things were different. I kind of turned the page, I guess. Yeah. Have you either lost or had any close relationships damaged friends, family, others? Because of this, because of who you are and whatever else involved. I wouldn't say I've lost friendships, but definitely took a toll on certain mm -hmm. friendships I had. Because for years, like I was in a dark place and like I was hard to be around. I was not a happy guy. Then so when some of my close friends like really started seeing what was really going on in my head and the, their perception of me that they had of me changed. It was just different. And now people are like a little more, I wouldn't say they walk on eggshells around me, but they're like a little more like careful or they're more attentive a bit. That's an interesting observation. So I think that did change after the last attempt is I got back into therapy, but a different kind of therapy because I've been in therapy in my, where I live. The, the therapist that was assigned to me, I never really 
click with them. It never really, the, the fit wasn't right. And they kept bouncing me from one person to the next. And so then eventually it's like, it's, you got to start from scratch. There, there was one that was good, but like she, she like bounced me off to somebody else because said, I don't treat this specific issue. What's the issue? It was more like suicidal thoughts and ideation, but it was actually the first social worker I had. Second thing is like, she was filling in for somebody that was on maternity leave. And so when that person came back, she kind of, her job was like gone. So. Gotcha. So you got another, what kind of therapy did you end up getting into? Uh, now I signed up for online therapy with, uh, I don't know if you heard about them, but BetterHelp. Oh yeah. They're everywhere on podcast commercials. Yeah. It's really going well. And the big difference is for me, because where I live, the main language is French. I express myself better in English simply due to the fact that from kindergarten all the way through high school I went to English school mm. so everything I did was in English we have French classes which I sucked at but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I find like for me English is like a more simpler and more direct language than the run around with the French that's interesting did you tell her or him your new therapist everything yeah she knows a lot of stuff and there are things that I never talked about in therapy before that I just like recently started like opening up about it Mm. and the thing I like about that therapy is that you can write journals and stuff and send them and your therapist can read them or you can like send direct messages and I'm able to get a lot lot more things off my chest that I didn't get to do before Mm. things that takes a while like to explain but like I can take the time and just message it and then she she knows it for our next session. She can bring it up. It's a, so far it's been really great. The making use of technology to almost streamline things that seems more effective for some people. That's really cool. It sounds like you're super close to your dad. Yeah. He and other people that you're very close to. I mean, where are they at with all this? I know they they, they worry about me a lot. Yeah. The thing is, like since January first, I haven't had any suicidal thoughts it's a feel-good streak that has been a while since lasted this long so i mean my dad even i was at his house earlier this week and and we were just talking talking and about work and stuff and then just he he can see that i'm doing like good and Mm. so i don't know it's like different and people can are starting to notice it's like right now i'm doing really good so it's interesting to say because it's only what's well, been like three, four weeks. So that's suggesting that that if that's a long time for you not to be thinking about suicide, then most of your life, it's a very common thought. Yeah, a daily thought every day. Every day for years. So a, a few weeks must feel like a lifetime in some ways. Yeah. And it's uh, it's such a relief, man. Like, oh. yeah, I don't remember feeling ever feeling this good growing up. Never. Well, it's like uh, now I'm kind of opening my eyes. I'm like, well, shit, is that how normal people let me ask you this question. A couple things. Do you worry that it's going to come back? I don't, but right now I'm trying not to like consider it. If they do come back, then I'll deal with it. I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. But right now yeah. it's like I'm in a different headspace that I don't know if they're going to come back. If they do, I'm more prepared to deal with it. Time will tell, I guess. It's also interesting when people start to feel a little bit better, whether that's whatever the reasons are. You know, you had said, oh, is this what other people feel like? Is there a sense? And I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm really not. I'm glad. I'm so glad that you're feeling better. Do you feel, though, knowing how you feel now for, let's say, a few weeks, man, I missed out on a lot of good shit in my life? No, it's like it was part of who I am. And I've been that way, like, since I was a kid. So I did enjoy life, even though I was suicidal growing up. And, like, 
mm. yeah, I did have a good time and but it's just like I had that main issue that was making it hard but it didn't really stop me from doing what I wanted to do anyways that's how I felt so it, you learn to deal with it right you adapt how many people know that we're talking no one do you think anyone will find out I doubt it due to the fact that we speak French here and it's also like the people yeah there are people that clearly speak English here but and I do have friends that speak a little bit of English but they don't understand it well enough to like listen to a podcast and I don't really think it's something that's like the only person really that I guess could like stumble upon it would be my family but I doubt that they're going to search for that I doubt it I haven't decided if I'm going to tell anybody yet once uh, once the episode comes out then I'll it's going to be there so then I can decide whenever I want if I want to tell people sure of course and tell me this, uh, Felix, you found the podcast, but tell me why you wanted to actually talk with me about it. I wanted to get my story out and tell what it's like living day to day with these thoughts because I had a therapist told me like, not the one I have now, but before it's like, you're used to running marathons. You're wearing a 50 pound backpack on your shoulder and trying to do the same thing. So it's like, it wears on you down and it beats you down faster and harder. An extra weight on your shoulders that like, I wouldn't wish on anybody. A lot of people are affected by it. Do you so, remember about how old you were when that weight first was heavy, even if you were aware of it or not at the time where you were a young kid? Like early high school. And but mm-hmm. I did have like felt a little bad, but I didn't really understand the feelings I was feeling. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really put words to it. So I just kind of ignored those feelings and then eventually it kept getting worse and worse. And then I kind of like realized like really what was going on and it mm-hmm. took me a while to like reach out and get help. Does your new therapist, did they diagnose you with something that you think is accurate? Uh, I was diagnosed, but not by her, but I have a psychiatrist that I've been seeing since my first attempts. I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder, anxiety, and borderline personality disorder. That's a lot. Yeah. But I was kind of yeah happy that I got a diagnosis because now I could put words then to what was going on and then sure. try to navigate through the feelings and stuff try to find a solution yeah do you have medication help yeah all right and i know also from what you shared earlier that you've got this hobby of making fish flies or fishing flies i'm not sure what they're called uh which is also helpful so it sounds like there's a few things that are contributing in different ways to you feeling okay man even even one hobby someone enjoys can be a game changer that's the one thing that i can do like any time of the year because it's not affected by weather but What's really like it gets me going is riding mountain bikes. For years, I when I was living at my dad's house, I was working a lot, so I had like a fair amount of income. So I spent it all on a lot of it on mountain bikes, and now I have my dream bike, and so I ride downhill bikes. Start from the top of the mountain and just ride down as fast as you can, and try to avoid the trees. As that's probably a good idea, <laughs> but it should be it should be noted that Felix is wearing a shirt with a little logo, and that shirt says, I don't crash. Yeah, but I, you don't see the bottom. It says, I don't crash, I do random gravity checks. And there's a guy flying over the handlebars of a bike. That's that's his, I, now, now, now that context with the bike, I understand. Before yeah. understanding about your passion for riding downhill, I thought that was more around like mental health stuff. No, I see, I really, yeah, it's my bike. <laughs> it's literally doing that, I understand. You had said yeah. earlier that you, at the time... Uh, your first attempt wanted to die. And I think I asked you, do you wish you had died? And at the time you said yes, 
But right now, as we speak, are you glad or happy or use whatever else word that you're alive? Yeah, right now I'm happy that I'm alive. Mm. And that, which is something yeah, I would have never said, like even just a couple months ago. So, wow, pretty big change. No guarantees, right? We don't know what tomorrow or next week will bring, but man, I've got to imagine, and you've sort of already said it, that when you were feeling one way for so long, that to feel a different way must feel like just sunshine or something, some cheesy. It's, it's a little shocking to the system, to be mm-hmm. honest, like not in a bad way, but like when you've been feeling that a certain way for so long, it kind of just becomes normal. So then when you do start getting better, it's one hell of a difference. Because at one point, like I was comfortable in my pain. That's all I've ever known for as long as I could remember. And now it's like figuring out that I can feel uncomfortable and not in pain. So when I hear this, man, some of it just sounds purely chemical. Yeah, I, I do admit that if without medication, it's a, I, would, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, I, and I have no idea if I'm right. It just it just sounds like it. Um, how many people other than your um, therapist do you have to have uh, conversations with these kinds of, not necessarily these kinds, but tough conversations with? I don't really talk about it to people. Like I kind of, not that I explore, but like I'm going to use my therapist to my advantage. They're, they're trained for that. If I really sit down and talk to my family or friends, like really how I'm feeling, it's hard for them to know how to, what to do with this information after and how to deal with it. So it's kind of better to put it on a stranger. And, and I don't also, I don't want to worry people in my life. In just in the last few weeks, you've been feeling a little better. And I know people listen to the podcast for all different reasons. I do wonder for you and even others, like when you're starting to feel better, are you less inclined to hear these stories, listen to this podcast? No, I'm still listening to it because I do like enjoy, and I'm listening to it because I have suicidal thoughts right now. I like hearing the stories of people, how, what it was like for them and how they deal with it and like what helps or what doesn't. You're 26. When's your birthday? Uh, July. You'll be 27. Uh, You know, one of these questions I asked, do you think you'll make it to 30? Right now, I think I am. Are there any specific myths around any of this stuff that you want to discuss or dispel or call bullshit on that you say, nope, that's not true? One thing that I heard it a lot from people, from friends and family, that that really freaking pissed me off. When you're deep down in the hole, like just think happy thoughts and you're going to be fine. That's total bullshit because... If I if that would have worked, like I would have done it a long time ago, but it, it's just not that simple. When you're deep down in the gutters, there is no happy thoughts. Like they don't exist. The so, word doesn't exist. That's it. And it's like it's like you're and, speaking French to me. What do you? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> that's it. So it's like it is frustrating, and like people don't get it how really yeah. how it is to live day to day with thoughts and these feelings. So and it's not that the they, they didn't mean well it's just that if they haven't experienced it they, they just don't get it the tough spot to be in you're right what else do you want to share for for me one thing that one reason that it took a long time for me like to get to where i'm at right now is that i didn't talk about my problems i never talked about it and like i know it's hard to talk about this stuff but it's like you need to find at least one person whether it's in your family your friends or professional like if you can find like one person just get the conversation started like in like in, in the long run it's a, it is going to help at first it's really uncomfortable and you don't want to do it but it does help it's let a, us hope you find that right person because sometimes if it's the wrong person it's damaging and then you stop talking 
Yeah, so. that's the thing also. So you you, you got to be careful who yeah. you open up about it. So Yeah, you're right. And I'm going to talk to the people out there who might be the one person is, you know, I know it's not easy, but think about how you're engaging with that person and what you're saying or doing, or maybe you don't even need to say much at all. What I really wanted was just someone to listen. I didn't really need advice or like yeah. a solution. I just I just wanted to let it all out and sit with yeah. it. And right. And let's say, for example, I, I had the problem and I came to you. I wouldn't have a problem with you saying, "Hey, Sean, I know you're going through something tough. How can I help today? Like, what can I do, if anything? What do you need?" Then I could say, "Actually, Felix, I actually just need you to sit with me for like 15 minutes and just not say anything." Well, you can do that, or it might be something else, but you can ask, and people don't often do that. Ask, yeah. ask. Those are Sean's words, not Felix's words, though. I think we're in agreement. Yeah, but I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> one person that in my life that recently like was that for me is that I have four siblings, but I'm close to one of my sisters. She's a little younger than me, and over the last year, I'd call her because she, she knows about my struggles because I was living with at her house for a while every once in a while i'd be in crisis and like really close to just losing it i just call her and she she'd show up to my place and she knows right away when i call her and like can you come over it's like she keeps me on the phone she doesn't let me hang up and then she just sits with me and like i'm bawling my eyes out but that's sometimes like she holds she's holding me in her arms it's like sometimes that's all i need is to cry it out let the emotions pass and then we we don't even talk about what's wrong is just being there is makes the difference i mean let's not pretend people need different things but if that's what you needed and yep. she knew that that's what we're talking about look be transparent if you can understand yep. that someone who's going through a hard time might not be able to communicate super clearly give them that space man by the way this is completely separate from 1972 to the 90s there was a hockey team in quebec called the quebec nordiques yep but i know about the name but i don't really follow yeah sports yeah, I know Montreal's in the Quebec province, and you know they have a hockey team. My question is, what is a Nordique? I think it's just people up from up north. So it's, it's like saying the northern. No, the Nordique is like yeah, it is. You had or have two hockey franch franchises in Quebec province. One are called the Canadians, and the others are called the Northerners. So there's this thing with Quebec about location. Just an observation. <laughs> um, anything yeah. else you want to share, Felix? I really appreciate you not only sharing and being open and candid. What else can we talk about here before we leave? Simply that I I really like what you're doing and just keep doing it because you are making a difference. And one thing I really like about your podcast is when you talk, you can hear in your voice that you care and you actually like want to help and want to try to make a difference. I really appreciate that. And it's like, I know I'm not the only one also. So like mm. keep up the good work. And Wow. You participated in it. You're a part of it. So one, thank you. But two, those are very kind words about me caring. I could be a fucking psychopath or a sociopath. You never know. Uh, but I think I'd, I'd like to and hope to agree that your comments are accurate. So thank you. And man, listen, legitimately, no idea what the future holds, but I, I hope each hour and day continues to be the way it's been, man. For real. Thank you. All right, my friend. Be well. Take care. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support and special thanks to Felix up in Quebec. Thank you, Felix. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at 
Suicide Noted. Check the show notes for all things Suicide Noted to learn more, to get involved, whatever it may be. It is all there. And that is all for episode number 149. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.